Thank you, Bonnie. Shane, I can't wait until you become a father. It'll be payback time. See how the Holy Spirit moves and knocked over the tree. Must be the latter rain. Luther kind of opened up the package a little bit. I didn't know whether I would say anything or not. But uh, I did go for the MRI. You want to turn that down just a bit? I'm ringing. There we go. Went for the MRI. There is no tumor. Praise God for that. They ruled out Parkinson's. Ruled out thyroid. Ruled out... What did they rule out? Cancer. Ruled that out. A bunch of things they ruled out. But they did discover that I, at some point, had uh, developed a blood clot in the brain. And uh, so they're going to run me through an MRA to check the blood flow from my neck clear up to my brain. He said that, uh, you know, it could be a bunch of things that could take place. It could be the start of an aneurysm, but he doesn't really anticipate that. He says there's some type of a disease that could cause that that is a one in a million shot. He doesn't think I have that. So he says, I may never, ever have it again. Or I might have it next month. We just never know. Still a little loud. Turn me down a little bit. I don't want to hear myself. So I just keep telling my wife, see, it's all in my head. I do that all along. That's probably why I chose the topic today, mind control. Do you know what television commercials do to you? trying to control your mind so that when you walk into a store, you automatically go to their product. It's a form of brainwashing is what it is. The biggest targets for commercials, little kids. They can remember those commercials and the jingles and sing them and, and uh, go in the store and, Mommy, you need this. It's a big part of life. Also, another form of mind control has been in the form of television and movies. You can have a child who has never seen a particular movie, but when he goes to school, he knows all about that movie that's shown in the theaters, and he's never seen it. But it's passed down by word of mouth. Another thing is in the television. If you remember a long time ago, do you remember Flip Wilson? The comedian had a variety show, and one of the most popular segments that he had was when he dressed up like Geraldine. You remember Geraldine? Do you remember what her famous line was? Now I'm not going to ask how you knew that. The devil made me. The devil made me buy that dress. But it caught on like wildfire. And you could walk into a store, you could even come to church, and they would kind of modify that, the devil made me buy this dress, and the the devil made me do this, or the devil made me do that. Wanting to put the total blame on the devil. Well, let me share with you something. 
we can't put the whole blame on the devil, although he does try to tempt us and try to control our minds to be able to think in the avenues of sin with all the temptations. But you choose to follow those things. There's a power of choice. I can either follow after Christ or I can follow after the devil. But if you continue to keep choosing his way, he begins to share more and more lies in trying to convince you that that's the right direction to go so that you are under his total control. By the way, he loves to do that with churches. He loves to present just enough of the untruth within the church to control the church. I want you to look at John chapter 8 and verse 44. Jesus is describing the devil, and he says, You are your father, the devil. When he speaks, speaking of the devil, when he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. So he uses deception to be able to try to gain control of your mind. If I think that I'm doing something right for the Lord and he can put in just enough truth and then enough deception to get you away to where you're not following the truth, he's very happy. What does he do? Well, first of all, he'd like all of us to think from movies and television and books and everything that he looks like this. But he doesn't. And our little kids, they grow up and they see and they think, if you see a picture like this, they automatically say, oh, that's the devil. And they're afraid. And I'd be afraid if something like that would show up in the middle of the night as well, too. John 10.10, again, describing, describing what's taking place. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. If you want to look at this, the devil comes in to try to steal the truth away from you. He tries to kill the gift of eternal life within your life. And he tries to destroy your relationship with God. And he's very good at it. He's the father of lies. So he knows how to do it in such a way that you think you're following God. In the book Patriarchs and Prophets... Page 78, it says, Satan is constantly at work with intense energy and under a thousand disguises. Again, he'd like to think, let us think that he's like that picture with the horns and the tail and a pitchfork and fire around him. But he's a master of disguise. What does she mean by that? 2 Corinthians 11:14 says for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. What's another word for angel? Messenger. Messenger. Did you ever think that the devil himself can come as a messenger of the gospel? Bringing partial truth mixed with error. So you're thinking, well, this is a good person that I'm hearing it from. They wouldn't deceive me. How about light? He comes as an angel of light. Well, 
the Bible describes Jesus' truth as the light and that he is the light of the world as well too. So Satan can come as this angel of truth, this messenger of truth, and it could be in form many disguises. It could be a pastor, a Bible worker, elder of a church, Sabbath school teacher, We even know that before Jesus comes, he's going to impersonate Jesus in the second coming. If I don't even know how Jesus is going to come at his second coming, the devil can slip in and say, yeah, Jesus is going to come, but here is how he's going to come. During the 30 years of my ministry, I've heard countless lies. Lies that have been within the, tr- within the church itself. Truth and error mixed together. Let me share with you a few of them. Maybe you've heard some of these, maybe you haven't. Here's the first one. I don't think we need to worry about being deceived because God won't allow that to happen in His true church. God's chosen people rejected Jesus as the Messiah. What's the goal of the devil? Matthew twenty four twenty four is to show great signs and wonders insomuch that if it were possible, they shall deceive whom? That's you. He is out to deceive you as church members. So don't think that just because you're a member of the church that the devil doesn't walk in this door. That he doesn't have an influence. He probably has more influence inside the church than he does with the guy living down the street. He's already got the guy down there. Satan is angry not only at Christ, but he's angry at Christ's followers. He's gone out to make war with the remnant of the message. I've heard this too. God's love is so infinite, there's really little I can do to be lost. Because his love is so great, he, he, he won't let me be lost. I heard one lady tell me that she believed God's love is so great that he will even save the devil and give him eternal life. That's in the church. Matthew 8, verses 11 and 12. And I say unto you that many shall come from the east and west and shall sit down with Abraham and Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. They're coming to study about these great men. But the children of the kingdom shall be cast out into outer darkness. That's his chosen people. Jesus also said, Not everyone that says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he who does the will of the Father which is in heaven. So just because I'm part of the church, and just because he loves me, doesn't mean... That I'm safe. 
Lie number three. Well, the important thing isn't whether or not I believe in Ellen White as the inspired prophet, but that I read and study my Bible. That's partially true. Ellen White does say that she's the lesser light, that we should go to the greater light, which is the Bible first. But the lesser light is there to be able to help to explain to me what I can't understand within the Bible itself. But I want you to see something that Jesus said. Matthew 23, verses 37 to 39. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem. Now he's talking about God's chosen people again. The one who kills the prophets. Who's killing the prophets? Is God's people. And stones those who are sent to her. Who sends the prophets to the church? God sends them to the church. So here God sets a prophet, sends it to the church. The church rejects the prophet and tries to kill them or stone them. I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. For I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say, Blessed is he, that's the prophet, who comes in the name of the Lord. If God sent a prophet. Now remember, in the Bible, not all prophets wrote everything that's in the Bible itself. There are some prophets who never wrote anything. John the Baptist, Jesus called the greatest of all prophets. He never wrote a book of John the Baptist in the Bible. There are some female prophets that are there in the Bible. But when God sends a prophet, he's sending them with a special message for the people of that time. And when we reject that special messenger that is sent by God, guess who we're rejecting? God in his message. The other lie here I've heard in the church. Our church will have greater influence and power in our community if we minimize our differences and promote our similarities with other denominations. Brothers and sisters, we've been studying in the ten nights that we've been meeting together. God has raised up in the last days a unique set of chosen people that are to give the three angels message. No other church, no other denomination proclaims that message. This unique church needs to share that message to a lost world. We are to proclaim it to people of other churches because in Revelation as well too, in verse 4 it says, Come out of her, my people. Come out of where? All of these other, these other churches out of Babylon. So we're to call them out and, and not to become like other churches. So our message is different and it is designed that way by God. Lie number five. I'm going to be safe as long as I get serious about all of this. When it becomes obvious that the end is really here, there should be plenty of warning before probation closes. I'll just change my life when it gets a little farther down the road. I hear young people say this. I want to have fun first. So when I have fun, then later on when I see that probation is about to close, then I'll become a Christian. How did Jesus say he was going to come? He was going to come as a thief in the night. Unexpectedly. Luke 12, verse 40. Be ready also for the Son of Man comes at an hour when you least expect it. 
So if you think that there's going to be a lot of warnings and everything else ahead of time, that's, that's going to say, okay, you got ten more days, so you got nine and a half to have your fun, and then another half a day to get ready, it won't work. Lie number six. You know, if I try hard enough, I can live a holy and righteous life like Jesus. Sounds good. But scriptures tells us in Zechariah 4 verse 6, Not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Got to rely on the Holy Spirit. Line number seven. If I want to truly represent Christ, I should never say anything that might make someone else uncomfortable. In other words, don't, I'm not going to rock the boat. If Jesus is our example, and Jesus came to his disciples, and he calls them fools, whoa, that's a pretty strong word, isn't it? How about the religious leaders when he came to them and he told them, you are like whitewashed sepulchers. You're dead. That's pretty strong words, isn't it? We can't afford to sometimes go around and feel afraid of making someone uncomfortable. We have been chosen by God to deliver an uncomfortable message to this world. For example, we are to share with the world to keep the Sabbath instead of Sunday. When you got the majority of the Christian world keeping Sunday as the day of worship, and we are to go out and share with them about to worship Him who created the heavens and the earth. That's the Sabbath. But the rest of the world is keeping Sunday, so they're wrong. I've got to set them straight. You see, I am this special messenger sent by God to be able to share to a lost world that Jesus is about to come, and I've got to be able to share to them the truth because the truth shall make them free. We also are required to identify the beastly church and her harlot daughters. And most of the Christian world is following and going to those churches. I'm to reveal what happens when a person dies. The majority of the world believes that when someone dies, they automatically go to heaven. Sounds great. But that's not what Jesus said. Jesus, when speaking about Lazarus, said that Lazarus was asleep. And the disciple says, well, if he's asleep, he's going to get better. And he says, no, Lazarus is dead. They're not going to wake up until the second coming of Jesus. Then the dead in Christ shall rise first. That we which are alive will be caught up with them, not after them, with them to meet the Lord where? In the air. By the way, when Satan comes impersonating Christ, he's going to come to the earth. You see why I say that I have to know how Jesus is going to come? Because even the Satan will deceive us. His judgment has already started. 1844. 
No other reason for it. But we have, we have Bible proof that it had taken place with the 2300-day time prophecy. And that what's taking place in heaven is the judgment that begins in the church first. Then we'll go to all the people. And when the judgment is finished, guess who's going to come? When he comes, it's too late. You see, other churches preach, you got a second chance. There is no second chance. You see what the devil's doing? We are to share the literal, visible, audible second coming of Jesus to a world who believes that he's going to come secretly and snatch up the Christians and the rest are going to remain here. So you see, we have an important message. And our message is not meant to be popular. We are to share the truth to a lost world and we're to share it with a loud voice. In fact, Jesus says we're to shout it from the rooftops. Here's the next lie I've heard. There's no point in talking about anything except the cross of Christ because that's the complete picture of salvation. Again, it sounds great. I can't save myself. And the important thing is to be able to focus on Christ. He is my salvation. But let me tell you something. That's the gospel. But let me tell you something. There are many churches that are already preaching the gospel. If that was all that was needed to be preached, there would be no reason for God to raise up a last day remnant church who preaches the three angels' message, who keeps the commandments of God, who have the faith of Jesus, and who follow the spirit of prophecy. So there's more to it than just the gospel that's being preached. Jesus wants all the truth to be shared in the world. The ninth lie. I just don't feel the love of God in my life. I've said over and over and over again, don't ever base your Christianity on your feelings but on the promises of God. Second Peter 1 verse 4, Whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world. And then this one. We're to preach less doctrine and have more modern music to attract the young and the unchurched. Go to Scripture. 1 Timothy 4, verses 2 through 4. Preach the Word. By the way, there's a lot of other things. It doesn't give time to have the Word preached. Preach the Word, instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort, with all long suffering. And what are we supposed to preach? Doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itchy ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. So we are to preach the doctrines. But what about the music? I like music. 
Gene and I went out for a walk in Sun Lakes the other night after dark. We love to do that at night. And as we was walking along off about a block away was some people out in their patio. They had some of the wildest music I've ever heard in a retirement community. We like music. Amos 5, verse 18, 23, and then Amos 8, verse 3. Woe unto you that desire the day of the Lord. That's the second coming. And that's what we desire. To what end is it for you? Take away from me the noise of your songs. For I will not hear the melody of your vials. The songs of the temple shall be howlings. There's a lot to be said about music in our churches found in the spirit of prophecy. But let me show you this one. Testimonies, Volume 1, page 506. Music is the idol which many professed Sabbath-keeping Christians worship. Folks, we're not to worship music. We're to worship Christ. But some come just for the music. Satan has no objection to music if he can make that a channel through which to gain access to the mind of the youth and they are paralyzed by his power. When turned to good account, music is a blessing, but it is often made one of Satan's most attractive agencies to ensnare souls. I... Praise God that this church is willing to sing from hymnals songs that are based on Scripture. Revivalist by the name of Elder Davis held a revival meeting in Muncie, Indiana in the year 1900. He was proud of the fact that he said that in the church the Holy Spirit was poured out on his congregation. When asked, what is it that they were doing that you found out that they were really receiving the Holy Spirit? And he says, when the church members began to dance in large circles, lifting hands in the air, shouting and singing spiritual words to secular tunes. Well, they were spiritual words. Look what Ellen White commented on that event, that very event. Find it in Selected Messages, Volume 2, page 36 to 38. The things you have described is taking place in Indiana. Now look, the Lord has shown me. This is not her words or her interpretation. The Lord has shown me would take place just before the close of what? That's just before Jesus comes. Same thing's going to happen in the churches. Every uncouth thing will be demonstrated. There will be shouting with drums, music, and dancing. The senses of rational beings will become so confused that they cannot be trusted to make right decisions. 
And this is called the moving of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit never reveals itself in such methods, in such a bedlam of noise. This is an invention of Satan to cover up his ingenious methods of making of non-effect the pure, sincere, elevating, ennobling, sanctifying truth for this time. Man, you can't get any stronger than that. And yet there hasn't been a church that I haven't pastored within the last 20 years that says, Pastor, we gotta, we got to change our music. we got to make it lively. We need to have a, a, a committee that's going to put together and change this worship service so people will be attracted to come. It's not the music that will save them. It is the message that will save them. The music is to focus on our God. Can you picture Jesus in heaven dancing to the angels that are playing the drums and doing all these things and Jesus is dancing around all over the place? I can't see him doing that. Can you? Then why should we expect it to happen in a church or in our schools? I worry about our schools sometimes. Go in, and one school went to, they were having the parents and the grandparents get up and to demonstrate to the kids how to do the twist. Is that the place? We're, to, we're, we're spending hundreds and thousands of dollars sending children to church school to learn how to do something secular? It doesn't make sense. These are just a few. There's a lot more. Boy, we could spend the whole day just talking about the number of lies that Satan uses that sometimes is partially true, but then he puts in his twisted things to try to be able to get us off track, out of focus. Lacking the connection that we need with God. So what defense do we have? You can't substitute studying the Bible and the spirit of prophecy. It's what we've been doing each night for ten nights. Been saturating ourselves with the Bible and with the spirit of prophecy. It is to be able to help us to understand what God expects from us in the last days. 1 John chapter 4, verse 1 says, Do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God. Look it up. If it sounds good, check it out and see if it is good. Does it say, Thus saith the Lord? Or is there something else added? Be sober and vigilant. When I'm not sober, my mind is messed up. I'm confused. There's a lot of things that confuses our minds today. Television and movies are an example. Music can be an example of confusing us. 
I can see nice-looking young men and women come together and change into very grotesque forms because of music. By the way, most date rapes take place after the use of alcohol and when there is loud music. So I'm to be sober. Vigilant means I need to be on guard constantly. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be sober, be vigilant. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walks about seeking whom he may devour. Guess who he wants to devour? Our children and church members. Young folks, I'm not saying this to be mean. I'm not saying this that you can't have fun because you can have fun. By the way, I've seen a lot of young Christian men and women who've had great fun and they didn't have alcohol and they didn't have weird music. The next thing I do to be able to protect myself from lies is to continually pray for the Holy Spirit to enlighten me and with truth and discernment. You know what discernment is? Knowing the difference between right and wrong. Do you know that a lot of things that we eat, drink, and do has an effect on the reasoning power of our brains right here and we can't reason very well what is right and what is wrong. John 16, verse 13. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all truth. That's what I love about the Spirit of Christ. But I've got to be diligent and on guard to the fact that Satan weaves huge, masterful webs of deception. But fortunately, his lies only work when we don't recognize them as lies. Thank God when the Spirit leads us into truth, Satan's lies and tactics are thinly veiled. But I've got to be willing to follow the truth wherever it sends me. So we have to make a decision. Good time to make a decision is right now. I need to make a decision to seek the spirit of truth and let him lead me. Don't you believe that? If you're willing to make such a commitment, I want you to stand with me and open your Bibles to the song, Open My Eyes, Lord, That I May See, hymn number 326.
making a choice right now to open our hearts to the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. But in order to allow the Spirit to come in, we have to die to our selfish ways. It is the Spirit of Christ that is the most important gift that we could have other than eternal life. Open my eyes so that I can see, see what I'm doing wrong, see to have discernment to know the difference between right and wrong. Clear my mind so that I might be filled with the power of the Spirit of Christ. Open my ears to the truth. Let me hear what I need to hear and give me the power to change where I need to change. It's not thus saith the person, it is thus saith the Lord. That's what I need to know and to understand and to put within my life. Fill me with your Holy Spirit now. In Jesus' name, amen.